Hello and welcome to the Refs Need Love To podcast, a show that gives you a real, raw, and behind-the-scenes view of one of the hardest jobs on the pitch, the referee. I'm your host, David Gerson, a grassroots referee with nine years of experience and over 1,200 matches under my belt. You can find me at refsneedlove2.com and on TikTok and on Insta. <laughs> this month, we will discuss my four matches of futsal yesterday, not football, futsal yesterday. The difference is what we could possibly apply to soccer on an outside pitch and working out to be a ref and then one letter from the mailbox. So we got a full show today. Stay tuned. First off, I work out to ref. I, I, sincerely, I don't ref to work out. I mean, yes, I'm thankful for the benefits of working out on the pitch, but I know, especially at my age, I am not working out. If I'm not working out during the week, there's no way that I can do what I want to do on the pitch on the weekends. And sincerely, I mean, I'm definitely always nervous about being injured, whether it's my knees or an Achilles. And I'm so thankful that I personally feel really good these days, especially even, you know, after I'm on the pitch, uh, for a couple of matches. Um, I work with a number of refs who have, you know, messed up knees, uh, messed up ankles, you know, their feet's in pain, their back is in pain. Um, and so I'm, I'm pretty thankful right now that I feel good out there and that enables me to do, you know, what I feel like I need to do on the pitch. And if I, if a match requires me to run five miles, I can run five miles. And if it requires me to move six miles, I can do six miles. Uh, so I feel good out there. When you look at the top refs, I mean, they are just in pristine condition. I mean, fitness to the extreme, especially our refs here in America. I mean, when I look at those MLS officials, um, and whether it's uh, Rivas or Ismail or any, any of the, you know, those top refs that you see out there, uh, the Pensos, my gosh, the, you know, it, they are just in unbelievable tip top condition because they know that positioning is so much more important as you work up to those higher levels of the game and they have to be in perfect position to make a call, whether it's the first minute or the 90th minute. And that is definitely inspiring to me, but it requires us as officials. If you do want to work higher level games, and even if you, you don't want to go professional, I mean, again, I don't have any aspirations of being a professional referee, but I want my assigner to know that when they have a, a top level match in our area, that they could trust me to handle it, especially at the youth level. And then even at that, at semi-professional level, uh, not necessarily ADASL, but UPSL would be something that I could center in my area. And I want them to trust that I could handle it. When I work out, <laughs> and this is just a general thing, no matter how ever crappy I may be feeling on a certain day, I feel good. I feel better mentally and physically just, you know, the endorphins that release, but when I'm done, I feel better because I've invested in myself. And it's just like when I finish a match on the field, I feel good that I ref that match. Even if it was a difficult match, I'm glad that I went through that and I learned from that and it challenged me and I feel good that I experienced that. Uh, now I will say, <laughs> so yesterday was interesting. I love running on the pitch, but I hate running off of it. <laughs> okay. I love running on a soccer pitch during a match, but man, I hate just running. 
whether it's treadmill or outside, it is painful. But I know that I need to start doing more outside running if I'm ever going to pass that regional fitness test ever, ever, ever. So yesterday I got up early and I decided I'm going to go do a run. So, you know, got my runners on and it was like overcast out there, but it was fine. But it is the first time I did a jog outside in my neighborhood for months. I I mean, I think it might be like four or five months since the last time I did it. I just hate running just to run. Like if you got like, you know, headphones or you're watching something on a a television. Okay. I, I can run for a while on that, but man, just running out there. Oof, my gosh, not my thing. I mean, as I've stated before on this podcast, I am not a natural runner. But yesterday, I set out to run yesterday because I know I need to start making those type of investments and getting used to running on the ground, not on a treadmill, if I'm ever going to pass that fitness test. So I set out without my phone or headphones. And you know what? It was actually pretty therapeutic. Um, I had some deep thoughts out there. You know, I saw a bunch of deer. I scared a couple deer. I was, I was jogging through the neighborhood. Um, you know, I saw sunrise, which was pretty, but you know, mentally it was actually really interesting and powerful. Um, first and foremost, I went twice as far as I thought I would. Um, so it's interesting that you can mentally set a limit on what your body can do. Like you doubt what your body can actually do as opposed to just going out there and and seeing what you can do. You mentally say, oh, I think I'm only going to be able to do, you know, a mile or whatever that might be. And so it was interesting. I actually went close to about two miles. And it's it's what's really interesting is my neighborhood is exceptionally hilly. So I know like the route that I went, like there was going to be a really big, long hill. <laughs> like I, my, my neighborhood, actually the street I live on, the actually, it's not Avenue or streets called Hill. That's the, 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 the suffix of my street. So, you know, it's a hilly neighborhood. And so, you know, it's like the highest point in the neighborhood, but I know if I head out one certain direction, you know, and I make a right, Man, it's going to be, you know, down a little bit to a a creek, you know, and then it's going to be uphill uh, pretty much for about, I'd say about eight tenths of a mile straight. Um, So I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make the whole thing, but I went out there and I just ran. And, you know, when you look at the hill out in front of you, um, it may look really big and long, but if you stay in the moment, and maybe you set your gaze, you know, 40 or 50 feet out in front of you, as opposed to say a thousand feet out in front of you. And you just focus on, you know, one foot in front of the other, keeping a good pace, you know, keeping, you know, your breathing in check, you know, really focusing on staying calm and in the moment that you can pretty much manage anything. You know, it's just one step at a time. It's just like, you know, any great journey always begins with one small step. And so I just kept on going. And then when I got to the top of that big hill, at the end of the street was just like right out there in the front of me. I was like, oh my gosh, I got this. And so I did it and it was great. And I headed back uh, to my house. And, you know, when I got to my street um, of my house, it was so funny. It, I thought that was going to be the worst hill there was. But, you know, once I've already done that other really, really big hill, I looked at my street and I was like, oh, that's not so bad at all. Dude, I can sprint up this thing. <laughs> and so I really did. I, I gave it my best effort. I huffed up that street, you know, and then I, I, I walked like the last, you know, I don't know, 500 feet back to my house and just kind of 
was chilling but felt great. And my wife was pulling out of the driveway and she's like, wait, aren't you refing today? Why are you running? And I was like, baby, don't worry. It's futsal. There's a difference. And so I'm going to talk to you guys about futsal, you know, in a moment. But I will just say, you know, when you build things up in your mind uh, to be difficult, it's it always is worse than it actually is. Um, sometimes we just need to just stay in the moment and just, you know, trust ourselves that we can handle pretty much anything. Um, as long as we stay in the moment, you know, we stay calm, you know, we put in the effort, you know, we can do anything. And I felt great after that run. And again, for maybe it's all in my mind, the fact that I hate running. Maybe I actually like running. <laughs> I wonder if it's just a mental switch that I need to make. And then I'm going to all of a sudden really enjoy going out on runs. I don't know. I certainly think I'm, I'm not a marathoner or anything like that, but maybe a good 30 minute run every now and then uh, might do me some good outside, which would be fun. All right. So now for what I did yesterday. So my wife uh, caught me, you know, right before I was going to be heading out to go do some, some futsal. Well, actually it was a little later in the morning. It wasn't right afterwards. Um, but my friend, uh, here in, uh, Atlanta actually runs the Atlanta futsal Academy. So it's a pretty big uh, Academy of, you know, futsal. They've got all different, uh, age groups that are in his uh, league and they play other academies uh, in the area and in the region. And the funny thing about this coach, coach Allen, he was my son's first soccer coach my when they played like midgets or whatever you call them or i don't remember what the word is that it's probably properly not midgets i'm so sorry if i offended anyone um but the you know the little kids itty bitties um when my son was three years old and coach allen literally was my inspiration for me being a soccer coach um and so you know we had such an amazing experience with him and jacob so fell in love uh, with soccer through coach Allen being his first coach. And we had him for uh, like two years in a row at three years old and four years old. And then when, when Jacob was ready for U6, you know, I was his coach and U8 and U10 and U12, but I modeled my coaching a style after coach Allen. And so it's such a thrill to be able to, to work with him. He's a high school coach in our area. So I get to see him there. And then he also runs some other clinics and my son does some work for him uh, during the summer as well, but he runs a futsal um, league. And in the winter times, um, I try and work for him. And so I didn't get to work for him last year. Scheduling didn't work out, but I did work a, a year before. So it's been two years since I had actually done a futsal refereeing. And I will tell you, I mean, wow, it's, it, it, sometimes it feels like a completely different sport in some ways. Um, it is so fast paced. So you as the referee are on the sideline, the touchline, if you, if you will. And we ran a duel yesterday. So there was a referee on the other side and, and I was the ref on, on one side. And so, but man, it is so so fast. So I'm going to talk you through some of the differences between soccer and futsal, and then maybe even discuss how that might be helpful if those were actually in the game of soccer. So first off, it's it's not like indoor soccer. Like indoor can be, you know, 11 v 11 indoors. Sometimes I've seen it 7 v 7. Um, for futsal, the teams are comprised of four outfield players and one goalkeeper. So four outfield players and one goalkeeper. Um, there are no throw-ins in futsal. So you always restart play. Okay. If it's, if it goes out of bounds, uh, on the sideline or on the goal line, uh, for a corner kick with a kick in. It's very interesting. Um, so the defending player has to stand about five yards back. So a little different from 
soccer where we have a throw in if the ball goes out of bounds on the sideline and then you can be two yards away. This one, you have to be five yards away. So a, a kick in can be, you know, definitely an attacking play, but you do not get a lot of time to think about setting up that attacking play. If the ball goes out of bounds, as soon as you have possession and you're on that sideline or you're ready to take that corner kick, you have four seconds to take that kick. And you actually have to count that out as the referee. You make this motion with your hand out to the side like they do in basketball. It's like a one, two, three. <laughs> and if it's four seconds, the other team gets the kick. So it's got to be really fast. I mean, it is so High intensity and fast pace. I, I think I forgot to say this. So there's two 24-minute halves. It's a 48-minute game with like a five-minute halftime. And man, it is just boom, 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 boom. As soon as the ball's out, it's back in. As soon as the ball's out, it's back in. It's it's like crazy, crazy fast. The other thing that was really difficult for me uh, to mentally just like get my head out of is there's no offsides in – or oh, gosh, I said offsides. Offside, excuse me. There's no offside in – futsal. And so I'm, I'm running a duel like I would in high school. And I kept catching myself, like trying to stay on the second to last, uh, defender or second to last opponent, if you will. And you don't need to do that in futsal. You just really want to stay, um, and kind of close to where the play is, uh, so that you can, you can make a proper call. So, but there's no offside, which I thought was really interesting and kept on like blowing my mind as someone would play a ball like through to someone who would be standing, you know, just like five feet away or five, uh, 10 feet away from the goalkeeper it was pretty, pretty wild for me. Um, other things, teams are allowed a timeout. They're allowed one timeout, a half and timeout has to be when your team is in possession of the ball and the ball's out of play. So let's say you're about to take a kick in or the goalkeeper is about to restart. That's right. It's not a goal kick, <laughs> but about to restart. And then you can call a timeout, which I think is kind of cool too. Um, there are no goal kicks in futsal. And oh my gosh, I swear, I did four matches yesterday. And even in the last match of the game, I kept saying goal kick, but it's not. It's just, you know, it's like goalie restart. I don't even know what you're supposed to say. Uh, maybe you don't say anything. You just say goalie or something like that. But there's no goal kick. So when the ball goes out of bounds, um, past the goal line, and it was kicked by the opposing team, if you will, by the attacking team. The defending goalkeeper goes and grabs the ball, and they can restart the ball with their hands. So they don't kick it. They're not allowed to drop the ball down to their feet. They actually roll the ball out with their hands, or they could throw the ball all the way down to an attacker on the other side of the court. Um, so, I mean, it's completely different. So it's really fast. And again, it's a four second count. So, I mean, I know we talk a lot in soccer about, oh, delay of, you know, the restart and, you know, the six second rule for keepers. Dude, that is not a thing in futsal because you're counting one, two, three. And if they do not restart, you know, the other team gets an indirect free kick right from what it would be the top of the arc. If you, if you will, if you're American, it's like a basketball, you know, arc for three pointers, similar in futsal, although a little tighter in, um, than the three point line. So really interesting on that one. So there's never, the game never slows down. Keeper never has an opportunity to slow the game down and take the, the air out of the game. If you will, it's always moving. So very fascinating. Okay. Substitutions. Okay. You know how in soccer, you know, player like slowly walks off the field and, <laughs> you know, says hi to all of his buddies before he heads off. And it's like, no, no, no. In futsal, it is literally anytime during the run of play, you may 
substitute. But the substitute has to be in the technical area in front of your team's bench. And the sub has to be, the person you're substituting for has to be completely off the court or like one foot off the court before the next player can run onto the court. So it's like, you think about this. I mean, you, it's just like literally boom, boom, boom. So it's like during the, the game is going, if another team has a kick in, you can try and quickly run off, but you may be running off and they may be start restarting the play while you only have three players, three outfield players on the pitch. So substitutions do not slow the game down either. Um, now this is interesting. This next one, we didn't do, um, direct free kick foul accumulations, but I love this as well. So, um, we're going to do this the next time. Yesterday was just scrimmages, but I've got a league match coming up that I'm going to ref next Sunday. And if you accumulate six fouls in a half, just like American basketball, the opposing team gets a direct free kick from kind of the top of that arc. So again, it's another thing to keep the game moving and to not have the game being slowed down with fouls, um, which again, I loved. It was just absolutely, <laughs> it was wild out there. Um, yeah, so many things about it. I mean, first off, just can we talk about the court and these kids playing out there on this court? So it, for, for us, we played in a basketball court. So it was at a local middle school. So it was a decent size, um, back, basketball court. And there's, there's no walls on the court, just like a basketball court. And the skills that you have to use for these kids, um, is completely different from soccer. I mean, you know, if you see a kid on a soccer pitch who's played some futsal, you know, just because they're using the, the sole of their foot to be able to control the ball, uh, the type of one, two type combinations that they can do out there. Um, it is just so amazing. I mean, I saw some kids do some moves yesterday that you just could never see, you know, on a soccer pitch, you know, on grass, uh, with cleats. I mean, it's just a very specific type of, of skill and move that was just so unbelievably, um, impressive, uh, to say the least. So really, really enjoyed watching it. And it gives you hope for soccer in America when you see these kids working on, um, their futsal skills out there. So it really is fantastic. I, I don't know that there's many kids in uh, the United States who spend all of their time uh, doing uh, futsal as their sport. I think they just play it in the off season when the weather turns bad or, or in between seasons like it is here in, a, in America right now, or at least here in Georgia. Um, but my gosh, more kids need to be playing futsal. Unbelievable um, how how different it is, but how helpful it would be for them on the pitch. You know, we see kids doing uh, rondos in workout uh, in in warmups for soccer matches. My gosh, futsal is like one big rondo with a goal, <laughs> like nonstop. It is a small sided game that never quits. And I tell you, as a referee, whew, I mean, you, you you can never stop. I mean, it's like your concentration has to be on non-stop you get no breaks just like those kids aren't taking any breaks out there you get no breaks out there it is so unbelievably fast i will say um i struggled with foul recognition um in my first three games and i actually went up and talked to the coaches after the third game and i was like listen i feel like i could have called 10 more fouls in that game and i and i did call a number of fouls but more of the common like trips and pretty um obvious pushes in the back or something of that nature, but because the game is so, um, uh, tight, you know, you have a number of people in a very tight area. 
um, there's a, there seems to be a lot of contested balls where people are using their feet and they're both, uh, kicking out or trying to win possession of a ball. Um, but one thing that, you know, we talked about is that any barging at all, like on a soccer field, you know, some people are running long distances and if someone barges someone into the, the back, they'll fall over. Um, and it's pretty obvious that that's a call, but on a, on a, on a hard court, you know, people are, are not, first off, they're, they don't have that long to run to run into someone else, but also you don't want people falling on that, that court because it hurts. I mean, it's a hard floor. So what we discussed was that really any push at all into the back, anything where it's not a very fair challenge for the ball, um, you know, either from the side with the appropriate amount of force or from the front that we should start calling a foul on for any type of charging or barging from the back. And so we picked up our fouls in that fourth game and it kept it a lot cleaner. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to do that as we move to the next match that I do for them. But, you know, anytime you do something new, there is a learning curve. And I definitely felt like it was a massive learning curve for me as a referee yesterday. I mean, it, it almost makes me feel like um, a first time referee, just like when, when we see those new refs out there, you know, at, at the beginning of the season and they, they look like a deer in headlights, like what is going on in here? Like I felt like that. I, I tried to, you know, keep a good face, um, and pretend like I'm an experienced futsal referee out there. <laughs> but man, I tell you, I was questioning myself a lot. Um, especially again, every time the goalkeeper, you know, was, you know, was taking a goal distribution, not a goal kick. I was like, why is he doing that? Like in my mind, put the ball down. <laughs> it was crazy. Um, so, oh, one of the thing that was really interesting about the goalkeeper, um, is that the goalkeeper, when they restart the play with a the throw, they cannot kick the ball again. They cannot kick the ball again until the other team possesses the ball or touches the ball. So if you restart the ball as a goalkeeper, um, the your team cannot pass the ball back to you. Otherwise, it's an indirect free kick for the other team. I tell you, again, that was another one of those things that was just blowing my mind every time I needed to call it. It was crazy because it's just so different from soccer where we, that's just a normal play for the, the center back or, or the fullback to pass the ball back to the keeper and, and switch the ball around the pitch. So yeah, I don't know. It was, it was fascinating. I just want to say uh, a lot of fun for me personally, um, and mentally challenging. And I'm really looking forward to doing some more futsal this off season. And I just want to encourage you that if you have a, a futsal, you know, league in your area, reach out. It could be an opportunity for you to ref. I will tell you. So for me, he paid me $25 a game. So four games, it was a hundred bucks. Um, is it as much as I would normally ref for, you know, the amount of time that I invested, uh, outdoors? No, but I didn't run as hard. It wasn't as physically draining for me. Um, and it was a lot of fun indoors. They had music playing. Like they had like, you know, not necessarily like, like techno, but dance music, like some, you know, some popular music, whatnot, like on the stereo, like playing. And it was like fun in there. Like I was, you know, moving a little to the beat. Like it was great. So highly encourage you to, uh, check out futsal as a referee if you haven't done it yet. Okay. So now to the mailbag. Um, I love when I get messages from young referees asking questions. Um, it, this one was really interesting because they are, this is a young referee about 18 years of age and they want to ask about, you know, is this, you know, is what I'm doing as a referee? Is it something that you can like live on like financially, which I think is really interesting. Um, so I'm going to read you his 
message to me and I'm going to answer the questions that he asked me. Okay. We're going to take a quick break for words from our sponsor. It's better than an in-game water break. When it comes to influencer marketing, there's a podcast that covers it all that you will want to add to your playlist. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. They talk about influencer marketing, social media, the creator economy, social commerce, and much, much more. They cover all aspects, including the creator economy, social commerce, the latest trends, the metaverse, TikTok trends, and that's just the beginning. The Influence Factor by the Influencer Marketing Factory. Add the podcast to your playlist right now. Here it goes. As I'm thinking about what I want to do in my adult life, one of the things that most is appealing to me is continuing to be a soccer referee into adulthood. Of course, I know that for almost all refs, this is not a full-time job. So I wanted to ask you a little about your experience has been balancing refereeing and another job. If you don't mind me asking, what else do you do for work? And is that other work a full-time job? So I work uh, for usually for B2B companies, my pretty much my entire 25 year career. I have worked for business to business companies, usually billion dollar plus companies. And I've done all sorts of jobs. I've been a sales trainer. Um, I've run customer service groups. But the last 15 years of my career, I've run marketing and product management uh, for big companies. And when I say big, I mean, Current corporation is about $9 billion. I run a $3.5 billion division of it for brand and PR and marketing. And so, you know, doing podcasts or a website or, or videos is like right up my alley. I love it. Um, but that's my full-time job. And that's what gives me benefits and retirement and, you know, pays my mortgage, <laughs> you know, and for us to, to, to live on. Uh, and yes, pretty much, pretty much 99% of the referees I know. Actually, aside from the professionals in the MLS, the, the few that I know, I actually don't know of any referees who do refereeing as a full-time job. Um, everyone does it as a side gig. And even the people who are refereeing in the USL championship and are video assistant referees um, or even assistant referees in the MLS, that's usually not their full-time job. Only the people who are the MLS officials, the, the centers there usually can do that as a full-time job. Everyone else is doing it as a part-time um, job just because it, it doesn't pay enough. It just straight up does not pay enough. I mean, maybe you can make $20,000, $25,000 a year as a USL um, official, center official, but oh my gosh, you are sacrificing like every weekend of your life, you're on a plane, you're flying someplace else. I mean, you're working out hardcore during the week to do that. And it is definitely still not enough, uh, to, to live on. I mean, you could say, Oh, you could live on 25 grand. Yeah. Good luck. Um, seriously, or have a family or something like that, or other people you need to provide for. It is definitely not, um, a full-time gig until you get to the show. Uh, so just say that it's, it's not easy. So when you see those referees out there doing those matches for those USL championship games, those USL one, USL two, whatnot, and they look phenomenal. Those people are still, you know, they're, they're working, you know, probably multiple games on the weekend uh, as a referee, they're flying all over the place and they're still doing their full-time job during the week as well. Um, have you found, it's the next question, have you found it difficult to balance refereeing with your other work as well as your refs need love to work and does it ever lead to burnout or fail overwhelming? This is a great question. Um, so 
refereeing, I think in general, you can choose the hours that you want uh, to work. And, and so I know, and my wife knows that at least one day of the weekend, Saturday or Sunday, I want to work three games. And there's so much soccer here in Atlanta. I can always do that. And that's kind of, you know, what I want to do. Do I want to do six games a weekend? Not necessarily, because that can certainly be overwhelming. I've got responsibilities here at my house. I want to hang out with my my kids. I want to hang out with my wife. Um, so I can't ref all the time. It's the same thing. We're about to start getting going with the high school season. Well, the high school season, the games are during the week. And so usually the main time I get to see my family is when we have dinner together during the week. Um, my wife is phenomenal and she always, you know, cooks home cooked meals. And we try and sit down as a family and have dinner together. And right now my eldest son has gone off to college, but I still have two more in high school. And that's when we catch up and we find out what's been going on at school or who's hanging out with who or whatever's going on. Or, you know, it's, it's good time to commune and collect. So I have to really limit my high school refereeing maybe to one night during the week. Um, I could ref every night of the week if I wanted to. There's that many games out there, but I don't because I need to balance um, my personal life and my refereeing you know, life and my full-time job life, which is a definitely a full-time job, 50, 60 hours a week. I leave my house for my full-time job at 6.30, 6.45 in the morning. I don't get home until, you know, 5.30, 6 p.m., 6.30 p.m. at night, depending on what time I leave work. So I've got to make sure that there's a balance between my hobby, and that is what it is, refereeing, and my full-time job and my family. Um, my family comes first, my full-time job comes second, and referee comes third. No matter how much I love it, I have to keep it in balance and in perspective. Now, I will tell you the refs need love too stuff definitely can be overwhelming. I mean, I feel a, a you know an inner desire to always want to commune with my followers and subscribers out there to my channels to always be putting out content, especially relevant content. When something happens today, I want to put out a video today to talk about it because I know other people are curious about my perspective on it. Um, but just, just like refereeing, um, and even more so for the refs need love too, like just this podcast right now, it definitely becomes overwhelming and too much. And I need to step away. Um, actually I've been talking to my wife and I know this might be sad for you guys. I don't know, whatever, but I think I'm going to be taking uh, the month really from like Christmas all the way through the end of January and maybe into February off of all refs need love to activity, all refereeing activity just to, you know, give it a break for a while because it definitely um, is a little bit of an obsession for me. <laughs> I love doing it, um, but I think it can be too much and it's not good for uh, me personally, my mental well-being, and for my family. So yes, it can be overwhelming and I can feel burnt out. Um, is refereeing a viable source of supplementing income for you or are you mainly reliant on the pay from your other job? That's a great question. So yes, definitely relying on pay for my other job. And again, you know, my other job has, you know, great benefits, healthcare benefits, retirement benefits, all those things as well. Um, but it is fun money. Uh, so, you know, annually, I, I think from just refereeing fees, forget about refs need love to, you know, side hustle thing. Um, but refereeing fees, you know, I probably earn, I don't know, 5,000 to $7,000 a year from my refereeing. I'm trying to think it might be more than that. Um, but you know, the, I get paid by like eight different leagues. So it's always really hard to, to add it all up and see what it is. But you know, yeah, that's nice. It's nice to have, 
you know, that extra income, you know, it's, it's grocery money. It's a, it's a really nice vacation money. So yeah, I love having it. And it's nice to be paid for the time that I'm out there on the pitch. You know, I do what I love and I get paid for it. That's awesome. Um, okay. Last question here. Overall, do you enjoy the lifestyle of having a primary job and refereeing in addition to that? Yeah, I love that. I love being out in my community as a referee because I see my fellow parents, you know, other soccer parents who I've been, you know, parents on the sideline with for years out there. And they're thrilled to see me out there on the pitch. They know it's going to be a, a fair match uh, or well reft. I love seeing the kids in my, my community out there on the pitch, kids that I've known for like 10, 15 years, or, you know, I've seen them as little kids. And now I see them out there on the pitch. It always brings me joy. Other referees that I've reft with, you know, <laughs> and then I see them as players. I love that too. Um, so I love being, a part of the community as a soccer referee. I really, really do. I think it's a good thing. I think it helps to, again, humanize the referee when people know the person who's out there refing. Um, and it's, it's just, I, I think it's a very positive thing uh, overall. So those were the four main questions that this young uh, gentleman uh, wrote to me. And I just wanted to share uh, my answers with you. Um, I mean, I have met just fascinating people as a referee. You know, I have repped, uh, a reft with screenwriters, you know, who've written movies. I just watched one this summer that was written by someone I've, I've reft with. I ref with a judge, like an actual judge. And so funny, I've been on the, um, uh, what do you call it? The jury on one of the trials that he's run. It was fascinating to get him as, see him as a judge. He's a phenomenal referee too. I've reft with CEOs of companies, you know, people literally CEOs of big companies, um, who, referee as well. I have ref with IT security, cybersecurity professionals. I mean, I've met so many interesting people um, as a referee. And that is one of the cool things, you know, of the job is getting to meet someone new, you know, whether, you know, meeting someone in high school or I'm meeting someone who's retired and doing this for fun. It is just a joy to get to meet all sorts of different people as a referee. And I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I want to do it for as long as I possibly can. And even when I can't run anymore, maybe I can still do futsal. All right. I hope you enjoyed today's pod. Uh, as I mentioned, to be a top referee requires sacrifice and investments. It's a sacrifice of time and an investment into your personal fitness and knowledge of the game. I encourage you to stretch yourself and try new things. Maybe futsal isn't for you. But try something else. It is good for you and good for your brain. If you like the show and my content, please consider supporting me by purchasing some merch from roughsneedlove2.com or Instagram or TikTok. The pod, the website, and everything else I do has a cost beyond just my time. Purchases from the store help me cover the cost of doing this. And I love doing it for as long as I can, even if I will take a break early next year. All right. Good luck on the pitch. And I hope your next game is red card free.